Another episode of the Belfast Ballers, uh, joined yet again by Craig. How's it going, everyone? And also Michael. Did you nearly forget to say hello there, Craig? It is indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dramatic pause to open it up, you know, just really leave it in there. <laughs> sounded good, sounded good. Yeah, keep working on it for next week, make it more dramatic. All right, well, today's episode, we are going to be looking at tight end rankings. So what we've done is we've compiled our all our tight end rankings into one big consensus tight end. So we'll be going into that momentarily. But uh, I sort of thought we'd start off talking today, ask us a quick question about fantasy pet peeves and any sort of random things that really just grind your gears. Ain't nobody got time for that. So I don't know if, you, if anyone wants to sort of go first or I'll happily go through what my fantasy pet peeve is. You tell us. You tell us what yours is first. I'll, I'll tell you what mine is. Yeah, to start off with. So this is this is gonna be a bit of a rant because it's something I absolutely despise. And it's oh, basically man. what it is is the trade block, not and but but specific things about the trade block. So basically, if you put someone like DeAndre Hopkins or Saquon Barkley on the trade block, and this applies to redraft or dynasty leagues, that's grand. Everyone knows they're up for trade. That that's great. Oh, I'll go look for that person. But see if you put someone up like. First name that comes to mind, Adam Humphreys. If you put someone like Adam Humphreys on the trade block, everyone knows he's up for trade. You don't need to put it out there. Oh, I'm willing to sell Adam Humphreys. So I just don't. So whenever people are going through their trade blocks, putting like, oh, put this player on, put this player on, it really bugs me seeing players like that. You know they're on the trade. It's like if you went, imagine this, this is going to be a wee deep metaphor here. If you go out for a meal and say, say a trade, a trade is a meal. Then you get you get your starter. You get like a wee uh, upcoming talent. Maybe that's that's something nice. You can sort of see see how it goes um, with that upcoming person coming through. And then you get your main course, which is your your kind of DeAndre Hopkins, your Saquon Barkley. Then you might get a wee bit of a dessert too as well if you still got some room. Get some extra time in there. The way I describe Adam Humphreys, he is the free mint that you get when leaving the restaurant. Why? Why? This is really tough to, on Adam. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not attacking Adam. Humphrey. This is now going from being a some weird sort of dinner pit analogy to basically a vitriolic personal assault on Adam Humphrey. So as far as I'm aware, I, I, I haven't done anything to you. While. <laughs> no, it's, it's not not specific to Adam Humphreys, but it's players. Yeah, it sounds like it is specific to Adam Humphreys. Well, okay, he's the first name that came to mind. Let's let's say I've got my I've got my tight end right in front of me. So let's say like uh, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper's another one. He's he's on the plate there. He's you're not really fussed. So if he gets offered in a trade, you're not really fussed about that. You can take it or leave it. So some people leaving the restaurant, they'll take it or leave them in. Whenever I go into work the next day, I was like, oh, I'm talking to someone, I'm like, oh yeah, was that a really good restaurant last night? And they're like, oh, how was the meal? I don't go. Oh, the meal was good, but tell tell you what, that is the best free mint that I've ever had after I paid my bill. No one talks about the mint. You talk about the meal. You talk about the DeAndre Hopkins. You talk about the Barkley. You never talk about the free mint. Well, in this weird analogy that you're going for, why why are you drafting free mints? Like, if this is only if we're talking dynasty, we're like the whole board goes fair enough. But everyone everyone loves a free mint. Don't get me wrong. Everyone but can you not just it. ignore them? They're optional. You don't need to take. Just because someone's put up Austin Hooper doesn't mean you need to take them. Oh no, absolutely. But I'm talking an overall trade. I'm not saying like if, if I'm saying that they, if they get added to the trade, you can take it or leave it. But put people putting those sort of players up in the trade block. We know they're up for trade. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My pet peeve is it's just people unnecessarily being put on the train block. <laughs> well, you made that quite clear. Well, you know, I just wanted to give, you know, a nice wee analogy to it, the way I see it, you know. Basically, mm. Adam Humphreys is a free man. Yeah. You're basically, your pet peeve is Adam Humphreys. Yeah. <laughs> He's really warmed me up in the past, so. Yeah, clearly. All right, well, we'll move on to uh, yours, Michael. Sure, we'll go on to your pet peeve. Well, it's hard, it's hard to follow that, because right, well, I, have, I have to be totally upfront to say I have nowhere near as passionate a pet peeve regarding anything <laughs> other than Clarky. But for the sake of this, mine's less the actual mechanics of fantasy themselves, but it's more plays that affect fantasy, and there's nothing worse for me than QB sneaks. I fucking hate it when you're deep in the red zone, you're like on the one-yard line, and Tom Brady tries to do one of his shitty little jumps over the top (laughs) rather than hand it off to Leonard Fournette and give me another five points or whatever it is. And Some players do it with a incredibly frustrating frequency um, and it's always one of those where you always assume it just happens to you but it does seem to happen to me on a, on a hourly basis during the season <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that, there's nothing more devastating than you're on the one yard line, you're running back gearing up in the backfield and then all of a sudden Tom Brady rushing in to get oh, And he doesn't even like get into the end zone, he just like pokes the tip of the ball over the whitewash. Yeah, then go for the field goal or something like that as well. So. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> on the opposite side of that though, if you have the quarterback that always goes for the speed and gets you those extra points for getting the touchdown. No, that is true. That is true. Um, when you need your running back to, you know, why you're relying on your running back to get you a solid nut every week. Yeah, and that's the, the that's that's your week is on that play, and the fucking quarterback sneaks it in. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair one. I actually haven't really thought about that one too much. Craig, on to you. What's what's your fantasy pet peeve? Mine isn't specifically fantasy related, but when you ask the question, lucky this is a fantasy <laughs> podcast, now, isn't it? <laughs> When you asked the question, it was the first thing that came to my mind because it hits close to home. And that is unexpected or early primary retirements. <laughs> <laughs> Who let you uh, down? I think you're yes. going to have to put a bit of context to this one. <laughs> one thing, we drafted our Dynasty League three seasons ago now. And I drafted in the sixth round Andrew Luck to be my <laughs> to drive my team forward. And <laughs> He decided, now nah, I've had enough. My, my back's a bit swollen. I don't want to do this anymore. And he, fair enough. Look after your health, number one, obviously. But I hate the guy now. Yeah. Look after your health, number one. But also, number one, look after Craig's fantasy. <laughs> it obviously wouldn't be starting for me now. Josh Allen's become the stud. But... It hurts. Uh, I have to say, I've never had a more satisfying feeling than waking up. We, I think we'd only done our, our draft about a week or so. As I uh, think it was a week or something like that just yet. Yeah, and then waking up to see the, the sleeper notification of Andrew Locke has announced his retirement. Um, I didn't even get a text from you saying, have you seen the Locke move? I was yeah. honest with you, and you picked up the set. So in my head, it's going, oh, Andrew Locke's obviously injured. Sure, we all expected that. No. <laughs> Nah, he's just been done. He's having a cup of tea and picnic with his wife. Oh, jeez. I'm just waiting for the day that he decides to come out of retirement and someone else picks him up off our waivers. There's nothing but a backup. 
Oh, you, should, you, should, you should draft him and bench him, and that'll teach him. <laughs> You're not playing a minute. You're not getting a minute under his belt. With uh, my other three minutes. <laughs> Can't be the three minutes in your team. Andrew, Andrew Locke is very much another three minute, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's not great. I actually forgot about that completely. So thanks for the little reminder. No problem at all, Andrew. All right. Well, I think that was that. Uh let off a lot of stress there you know getting all these things out there really helps uh but we'll get we'll get stuck into our main thing for today which is then the the tight end ranking so as i say we compiled the three of us that our own individual rankings compiled that into one consensus ranking uh which we will go through today so we'll move on to our tight end rankings let's do this I just realised, by the way, there was one that I neglected to shout out. And fair enough, he's probably not in the top ten, but can I just give him a special mention? Who's that? Uh, Tyler Higby from the Rams. Tyler. Because uh, when I absolutely hammered Clarkie in week two of fantasy, Higby scored three touchdowns. And Clarkie was absolutely fucking incandescent with rage. And it was a real highlight for me that season. Uh, and Higby will always hold a special place in my heart because of that and because of what he did. Oh, I'm sure. Like that's. Uh, I bet you have like a wee picture of him up above your bed, just to you know say good to oh. every night to remember it. I I, I thank God every night for Peter Higby. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the first time that's ever been said. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I would definitely say he's just a wee freeman. You know, should have given him as my example. Uh, I'm going to give him, uh, I'd say he's at least in a mood bush. <laughs> All right, well, get stuck in our rankings here. Uh, I don't know, Craig, do you want to give me like the, the sort of narrator number one for our first person? Number one. Better than I thought. All that right, was number... really good. That was yeah. really good. No, no, really impressed. Didn't expect it at all. Yeah, but I was getting ready to cut this section from the from the pod. I didn't keep it in. <laughs> So yeah, our number one ranked tight end, which I think is pretty obvious, and these first three are probably fairly obvious, is Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, last year he got 145 targets, 11 touchdowns. He has 30 more points than Waller, who's the number two tight end, and he's had five straight years at the number one tight end position. Is it really so, I thought it was up to six now. I think it's only five. Oh. I might be wrong there, but I'm five or six really still. I don't think there's any any real argument there for number one. We all had him ranked at our number one. Yeah. Uh, He's good. Uh, last three years, averaging 15 points a game. Last year, if you removed quarterbacks, he was the third scorer in fantasy. If you remove running backs and quarterbacks, he was the fourth scorer. Do you remember that, um, remember that playoff game two years ago when the Chiefs went down like 24-0 to the Texans? Yeah. And they got back into the game literally, so just giving it to Kelsey every play. Yeah, just and he's been doing time. It's so so good. I have to say, like for he is the number one receiver still. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And for me, this year was the first year I had Travis Kelsey in a team, and see the satisfaction of not having to change your tight end every single week mm. to play matchups. It's just the best feeling ever. Like you just don't have to think about it. It's just every week it's a lock, which is just great. Um. Anything else you just want to add to that? I don't think there's too much more we really need to do to, to boost Kelsey's status, really. No, no, he's good. Number two. Oh, you're, you're, you're dwindling here. Yeah, that was, <laughs> oh, no, nowhere near as much panache in that one. <laughs> All right, well, number two in our consensus rankings is Darren Waller. So me and Craig had him ranked number two, Michael number three. 
So a bit of a diversion here. Uh, Darren Waller, 146 targets. He had 55 targets in the last five games of the season there. So that's 11 targets a game. Um, he, had, he had seven games with more than 10 targets, uh, nine touchdowns total. And I mean, he had 28% of his team's total targets. So he is just the number one option there. Um, and he had 11 games as a top 10 tight end as well. So it's another just consistent tight end that you have there. Um, and he had also had seven more, 70 more points than the next tight end on the board, which was Tonyan, uh, tight end three. So, yeah, it's another one. It's just a complete lock at tight end, really. Yeah, hard to go wrong with him. Yeah, just an A's target machine. He is the sixth most targeted player last year, not even tight end. The sixth most targeted player. And there's nobody on the team that's going to take that away. From, like John Brown signed, yes, but his career averages are basically what Nelson Aguilar did last year, and it didn't hurt him. So, yeah. Where, where's Aguilar going now, by the way? Patriots. Yeah, that's right. I, I feel like everyone's just going to the Patriots. All right, well, we'll move on to our next one again. I'll say these top three are pretty, pretty standard. So, Craig, boost it up a wee bit. <clears throat> Number three. There we go. Yeah. Number three. That's what I'm for. George Kittle is our number three. Um, so me and Craig having at three, Michael number two. So obviously you're a bit more favourable towards him than Waller, um, which I think is fair. Like he obviously missed a lot last year, but he averaged eight targets a game when he was playing, was still third in points per game last year, um, even though he only played eight games and was a top tight end, top three tight end the past two years. So I think it's, it's fairly safe that he's the third tight end there. Yeah, he's a freaky bay. It's... Um... It's pretty negligible between him and Waller. I'd say it's either or. You'd be happy enough if either of them landed to you. But, um, yeah, I mean, if the 49ers get up and running again, like last season they were just bereft of injury, so it didn't really count. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously it looks like they're going to go either Mac Jones or Justin Fields. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was going to bring up. Like, I mean, the quarterback issue yeah, is always going to be there, but he, he still did great with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a downgrade, um, the quarterback, so I just don't see that being a huge issue at all. Well, because what what a weapon he is for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, you just throw the ball to him, you know he's going to get it. Because as you say, he's, just, yeah. he's a machine. He's an absolute beast. Uh, so, don't think the injury this year will hurt him too badly. Nice. He's a big man, isn't he? Certainly is a big man. <laughs> bit annoying. Bit annoying when he's done his um he's done his like mic'd up things. Yeah. And you see him like chatting and like cracking jokes before a play. I say, oh, George, fuck up. Take it seriously, please. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly would not be telling him not put it that way. <laughs> oh no, I am happy to tell him that from the other side of the Atlantic. Would I say that to him? <laughs> In the Bay Area, probably not. Well, if you ever listen to this, Michael, you're screwed. So keep it on down low for now. Got kidding, yeah, well, of coming after you now. <laughs> yeah, well, fine. I'll let uh, Adam Humphreys take out Bradley first. <laughs> yeah, I'm not scared of Adam Humphreys. He can come at me. Number four. Uh, number four, we all agreed in this one, which is Mark Andrews. All four of us had him ranked at number four. He was fourth last year in points per game, despite probably what a lot of people thought was a, a down year for the passing of um, the Ravens. Um, but he was still 25% of his team's targets, the third most consistent tight end, and he finished fourth overall last year. bit more inconsistent than those top three. He only getting six top ten finishes last year compared to Kelsey and Waller, who were in the double digits. Um, but I feel he'll always be a bit limited just because Ravens is a run first team. But he's he's an incredible red zone target and he's he's Lamar Jackson's number one target. 
He's probably the only player on the the Ravens offense that was as good this year as they were the year before. Yeah, he's the other ones. He's the only consistent weapon on that offense. Really, it's just no one like Marquise Brown. He's he's boomer bust all the time. You never know where you're getting with him. Mm. Well, as you said, you expect Ravens to take a step forward again this year in terms of passing. So. Yeah, it was a darn year from everyone's books. So uh, hopefully they step it up again and become a bit more competitive. Don't really know. Uh, clearly Lamar just needed to have a go to the toilet, and he was amazing for the rest of the year. As soon as he got <laughs> yeah, like that game was incredible. They were t- doing terrible. He goes off for a toilet break, comes back on, and he's like the best quarterback in the league again. <laughs> it's just insane. Sometimes you just need a big chest. Is it? This is true. <laughs> this is true. Carrying a lot of weight there. Number five. Uh, I'm just waiting for you to lose count one of these ones here. Um, number oh, five, we all mostly agreed again. I think you were, so me and Craig had TJ Hawkinson at number five, Michael at number six. Mm-hmm. This is where our variations come in a bit more, I think, from here out. Um, but for, for me, TJ Hawkinson, he was the eighth most consistent um, tight end last year. But he finished fourth overall in terms of uh, total total finish. Um, but he got, I mean, he got 101 targets, 723 yards, and six touchdowns. So it's pretty solid. And he hit, had eight top 10 tight end weeks. Um, but I think the interesting things here, there's a lot of changes with the Lions. Like, obviously, the change from Stafford to Goff, probably a downgrade. Um, but he's also missing Galladay and Marvin Jones. So he's, he's going to be the only consistent target there, I think, um, which does put him in good stead for, for being a fa- good fantasy tight end. I'd say definitely a downgrade from Stafford to Goff. Goff was average in a brilliant system with excellent weapons. Now he's going to a much less refined system with uh, half the weapons. As you say, Hawkinson's now the main one, probably. Mm -hmm. So maybe he will get a fair whack of the um, receptions, but I can't see him being that productive based on not being able to see the Lions offense being particularly productive. Well, I mean, you for one knows that know that knows know that um, Tyler Higby was a great weapon for Jared Goff. So, well, this is true actually. So one time Tyler Higby scored three touchdowns against Clarkie, uh, and I absolutely hammered him, buried him in a game of fantasy. Yeah, I can't believe I'm getting involved in the Clarkie bashing now as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Craig, anything you want to add to this? Um, Goff is a drop but Terrell Williams and Brashad Perriman's a massive drop off from Kenny G and Marvin Jones as well. But the Lions also drafted Hawkinson uh, as eighth overall, so they obviously see talent in him somewhere, and I think they're having enough going forward with him being the focal point of that offense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do think you're right. I think he's the vocal point of it now. But I think the quarterback stops an issue. And Hawkinson has actually led tight ends and drops for the last two years. So, I mean, if you thought Stafford was more reliable, then it's going to be less reliable throws to Hawkinson and going to be more drops probably. So, I think that's the one downside really for him there. But I do think just because he's the only option there, um, that he he is going to be quite relevant. I I think another... Restriction he might have is Swift will get more work when he's a decent pass catcher, and Jamal Williams is now in as well. Obviously, a good pass catching back. So, our yeah, absolutely. I do think he's still 
the main focus point of the passing game anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, he's definitely one of the hardest to rank just because there's so many changes and you just don't really know where what it, what it, what the Lions are going to do. Like they're obviously going to be losing a lot of games, so are they going to have to pass more? It definitely, definitely more up in the air. Yep, hundred percent. Number six. Uh, our number six tight end, and as I said, this is where we get varied a bit more, is Evan Ingram. None of us actually had him ranked this highly, but I think it's the variation um, with all the other ones. So I have him the highest ranked at seventh, but you two both have him ranked at eighth. Um, but overall, he is our sixth highest tight end. Um, so, I mean, he had 10 games with seven or more targets, totaling 109 targets in the year, and he had 24% of his team's targets. Uh, now, for me, obviously... I think I think he's a great talented player. Kenny G being there is a big issue, but I think the reason like he finished what like he finished quite low down last year, sixteenth overall, which is pretty bad. So the fact that we have him this high is strange. But I was looking at it and like Daniel Jones only threw eleven touchdowns last year, so Evan Ingram only got one of those touchdowns, and even with two more touchdowns last year to meet his career average of three, he would have finished at the tight end ten. And with three more, he would have finished as a tight end eight. So, like, it's that lack of touchdowns that really killed him. And I just see that going up next year because I don't see how Daniel Jones could be worse. I think it'll be... I, I The Giants are my sneaky team to do pretty well. Oh, don't fall for this, Michael. I did it a few years ago. Well, listen, the look at their... <laughs> they've got... Their defence was okay last year. Mm-hmm. If they get Saquon back and he's fully fit, they've got Ingram, they've got Kenny G... And they they are eleventh in the draft, so Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or even Jamar Chase will one of them at least will still be on the board. So yeah, if they go, that's true. I just I don't they go and get another receiver. That's a sneaky team that could be good fun. And then you're right, and that's probably that's more competition for Ingram, but in terms of receptions with more red zone opportunities probably means more touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think that's what it comes down to for him next year is just the touchdowns. I only see that they cannot be worse than one, like so well, they could, but I just don't see that happening. The issue with that is Kenny G is also a good red zone target, so if they get in the room, mm. he's still not going to be the main guy. They're looking at, if you know what I mean, they'll be looking at Barkley, they'll be looking at Kenny G before they look at Ingram. That's true, that is true. Yeah, well, and even Daniel Jones, he does love wee Russian um, yeah, touchdowns, so QB Snakes Michael would be... Uh, See what I mean? See what he's a classic QB Snakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, so... The worst. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of uh, a lot of variation, but I can just see, he still. I think he'll still get his targets. I don't think Kenny G will take those targets away from Ingram. I think he'll take them away from the likes of Slayton or Sterling Shepard more than anything, so I don't see Evan Ingram losing a lot of, uh, a lot of receptions there. Uh, and I, don't, I assume none of us think that Kyle Rudolph's going to take anything away from him there either. But he's not taking targets away from him. He'll just take snaps with anything. All right, well, on to our next one, Craig. Number seven. Was that paused because you forgot? Yeah, for your own I had to think of one my notes and number seven. My <laughs> All right, well, number seven is Mike Jusecki. I think I might let you take the lead in this one, Michael, because I haven't ranked at 10. Craig at nine, you have them as high as five, so I'm gonna let you lead at this one. Well, look, he was in, he was the the continuity in a very, very disjointed Dolphins offense. So they had Fitz, did they go? They went Fitz and then they went 
two of them back to fits. Is that right? Or was it just in a few games they went back to fits? Um, I think it was one or two games, just I don't think it was too long. But yeah, it was like Fitz had a good start with them. They were like in winning record, I think, and then they all of a sudden changed to two, which Fitz wasn't happy about. Mm. So I think that was that's an offense that was quite disjointed throughout most of the campaign. Um and his stats never really dipped for a course of three weeks. They always were kind of fairly regular. Now he had obviously got got off to a flyer at the start of the year. He had one really good game. But then if you look towards the back end of the season in terms of targets, receptions and yards, he was very high in all of them in the last kind of six or seven. So I suspect right obviously I don't know they're either going to get to uh, Kyle Pitts may come in to Miami, which yeah. would make Siki stock drop quite considerably. But I think as a trading option, he would be a beneficial for a lot of teams. Yeah, does, does Will Fuller not scare you a wee bit though? Being on that team, taking taking a bit away, uh, he'll just take PEDs again and get himself banned or something. We don't have to worry about Will Fuller. I think he's got one more game to serve with that ban, so he'll be missing the first game. So. I think it really depends after that as well. You want to take the risk with uh, just like you're getting targets there. But I do agree. Like last year, I mean, quarterback issues are, I think, the main thing. There was a bit of an inconsistency last year, um, which I think he was the 14th most inconsistent tight end overall. But he was, as you say, great towards the end of the season. And he finished on 53 receptions for 700 yards and six touchdowns. So it's it's pretty good. But And he's a big red zone target. But it's just a matter of how good is two and will two be looking at him? Yeah. Uh... In the eight games he's played with two as the starter, he averaged six targets, 48 yards, and 9.5 or 1.5 fantasy points a game. So he was living. Yeah. In all fairness, in those games, either Preston Williams and or Devontae Parker were out. Yeah, I think that's for me. Like, I did want to put him higher in the rankings, but I just couldn't. And the guys I have ahead of him, I just I sort of thought I'm always going to take them ahead of him because more reliable. But I do see the massive upside there, um, as you pointed out, Michael. Good athletic. Thank as well. you. It's good for a tight end. And uh, he did no, lose I... the Dolphins in the targets last year. And I don't see what the effect is. No, agreed. Agreed. Number eight. All right, so number eight, this is where it definitely gets a bit more variation because myself and Craig actually have this guy ranked at number six, whereas, Michael, you didn't have him ranked at all in your top 15. So, obviously, me and Craig are a bit more, um, a bit more involved here. Uh, so, he's our number eight overall ranked tight end, which is Irv Smith Jr. from the Vikings. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot going up for him. He could be a good target for Kirk Cousins in the red zone now that Kyle Rudolph is gone. I know Kyle Rudolph didn't do a ton last year, but I think Kevin Smith was sharing quite a lot of snaps. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off a few of my stats here because I might use them for a future episode, but I'll let you sort of lead away through here. No, it's just by luck I came across a tweet. So it was uh, by a certified guy, so I trust the tweet. But um, <laughs> in the three years that Kirk Cousins has been at the Vikings, when he has targeted the tight end, he is first in completion percentage and sixth in red zone completion. Also, in the four games that Kai Rudolph missed last year, Smith was the tight end four in total points scored. So there's just something good for him. And I know people will be looking going, you know, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson both finished top ten in their position last year. So how do you hold a top tight end as well? But in 2018, cousin first year in Minnesota, Adam Thielen was the wide receiver seven. Stefan Diggs was the wide receiver ten. 
and Kyle Rudolph was a tight end seven. So he's got a history of holding two top receivers and a top tight end at the same time. And I also think that Stephen and Jefferson will take the drop here. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm obviously on board with it, with a lot of those points as well. I think there's it's it's more the upside that I think Irv Smith has with Rudolph game being gone because it missed a lot of uh, the the sort of split a lot of time last year. But as you say, Cal Rudolph missed a few weeks, which I think were towards the end of the year, which I think are quite evident towards what Smith could do. Um, and as you say, he was a tight end four. I think he was averaging well. He got he got seventeen targets, thirteen receptions, one hundred fifty three yards, and three touchdowns in the three games of week 14, 15, 16. Which is an average of like six targets, four receptions, fifty yards, and a touchdown every game, which would have been great and could have could have really boosted up last year if he played the full year without Rudolph. He, um, he's also scored a touchdown every thirteen targets since he entered the league. Obviously, I yeah. don't need but I thought that was interesting. No, absolutely. I, like I obviously, me and you both see the upside. But what are your thoughts on him, Michael? Yeah, look, I'll be honest. I forgot about our split. <laughs> <laughs> so, just because he's never been a household name, so like, yeah, yeah, no issues with that. Uh, Craig's stats really speak for themselves, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was, I would say, like, I mean, he's not exactly we're not basing it off historical rates, just more what the upside could be with him. Um, but I, I think he could have a good, a good, good year, but um, yeah, so could also be blow up in our face as well. Number nine. All right, well, number nine, we're almost more consistent here. Um, I've gone ranked at number eight. You two both have at number 10, which is Noah Fant. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said for Noah Fant. He was 12th overall last year, which isn't great, but he was only the 22nd most consistent tight end. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact he was injured a fair bit last year. But, I mean, the bad quarterback play last year yeah. was just horrendous. I mean, to sum it up, Drew Locke only played 12 games last year. Jeff Driscoll then played two. Like, who is, who's Jeff Driscoll? My name is Jeff. They start out with a quarterback. And then Brett Rippian and then played one game and then it's massively summed up, summed up by the quarterback fiasco against the Saints in week 12. Mm. Ken, Kendall Hilton was the quarterback completing one out of nine passes for 13 yards. Which is just, and they got absolutely trashed by the Saints that week. But who was that one target for Kendall Hilton? It was no offense for those 13 yards. So for me, I think he could be quite good. Like he was injured last year and still got 93 targets um, and was seventh overall in receptions and sixth in receiving yards. So I think better quarterback play and a more steady volume of touchdowns because he's a good, good red zone target. I think he could be an improvement, but there's obviously the downside of Sutton coming back as well. Don't know how much Cortland Sutton will impact him. Yeah, I think Sutton would affect the likes of Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, Sean Hamlin more than Fant. I still think he'll probably still be the third, maybe fourth option behind Jerry Judy and Sutton, obviously, but he will still get looked at a lot because he's talented enough. And with Sutton back, it's obviously going to take the focus off him a bit more. So there's more chances of them getting bigger plays or whatever. Yeah, no, you're you're right in that it's very very hard to judge his stats because they were even when their first choice QB was fit, he was absolutely awful. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there's really uh, that's why sometimes stats are seen as very objective barometers of people's success, but there's so much subjectivity around them. 
as in who they were playing with, who they were playing against, what form they were playing against and things like that, and the schemes they were working in. But in the case of the Broncos, it's impossible to judge any of the receivers, really. I mean, Jerry Judy had probably quite a decent rookie year, given the mess that he was thrown into. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's harsh to judge his rookie year based on everything that went on there. It was just, I mean, it, it was horrendous at times. Like, I just remember watching that game against the Saints, and they just didn't look like they even had a game plan for anything like that. I mean, I mean, how can you game plan it? <laughs> but oh, they're awful. no quarterbacks was was horrendous. Um, but I think, I mean, he's only got to go up, surely. Like, it can't be worse than last year, and he finished 11th last year. Right. So, like his hands, so they... I think yeah, I think he's one of the most athletic tight ends in the league and could really be a great, great tight end. And then he's played 10 games with uh, Drew Locke, that's a quarterback, and he's averaged seven targets in those games, so he is still getting looked at. Obviously, he's never played with Sutton and Judy and Melvin mm-hmm. Jordan all on the pitch at one time, but he'll still get some work, and I do think it's opening up opportunities for him to get her bigger plays, as we said, with the attic. Number 10. Uh, number 10, we have Logan Thomas. Now, the interesting thing is none of us actually have him in our top 10. We all have him at 11th, so we're pretty consistent on him. But I think it's our variation in the other ones obviously push him into our top 10. Um, now, he obviously had a breakout year with 110 targets, 72 catches, 670 yards and 6 touchdowns. Uh, I think there was initially a bit of a question about who the quarterback would be this year. I think we've we've determined it is now Fitzpatrick. Um which I think is an improvement uh, from the inconsistency that there was last year. Um, but it's it, I, I was looking at Fitzpatrick's stats, and whenever he was playing with Jusicki, I think Jusicki was the tight end 12 in 2019. So I, I, wasn't too, I wasn't too keen on pushing him up too highly, even though Logan Thomas finished as the number five tight end last year. So I was a bit nervous about this one, but I still think there's that potential for him to really push on from last year. Yeah, he had a great year last year, and I actually ended up picking him up in our redraft league because Jared Cook was doing nothing for me. But there's just so much change in Washington that it would put you off, as you say, change of quarterback. There's like Curtis Samuel in, after dinner meant himself, Adam Humphreys is now there. Antonio Gibson could feature a lot more. And they, they also have the, <clears throat> the Broncos effect of just so much kind of upheaval in their offense over the course of the season. Yeah. Um, again, and he was he, he managed to. I don't think his stats again like Jacecki dipped for a period of the season, particularly yeah. like he had a few quiet games, obviously, but generally he was quite consistent in yards and receptions. So it's you know hard to hard to take too many demerit points off him based on what happened with obviously with um what you fucking call him the quarterback. Haskins. Well, Dwayne Haskins, yeah, and then and then even Alex Smith and all that. So yeah, I mean, you could you could say that the uh, the quarterback issues last year made me just sicky to my stomach. I was gonna say you hadn't done any puns, <laughs> and you said you had a big list. I do so. have a list of puns here, so I thought I'd, I thought I'd leave it that one. Do you want to just go through them? Yeah, I mean, Hurst thinks Hurst. I'll go through. Uh, what do you know about it? Anyway. 
No, no, no. I thought, sorry, you want us to intervene? Or oh, I was, was expecting applause. Mm, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is a bit. I like, I like, I do like Hurst things, Hurst. That's quite okay. good. Uh, no, I was a bit, uh, I left a bit late because my, my list was a bit ad Hawkinson. So I didn't want to push that it on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really, that's tough to say. That's tough to hear you say ad Hawkinson like that. Sorry, just throw, thought I'd throw a curve Smith ball in. <sighs> What? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> a curved Smith ball. I was up all night thinking about this. So, oh, curved Smith ball. Yeah, Michael, that's a bit like calling the pot calling the kettle black. Nice. Yeah, good. All right, that's that's me actually done now. Right? <laughs> so, there you have it. That's our top ten tight ends: Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle. Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Evan Ingram, Mike Jacecki, Irv Smith, Noah Fant, and Logan Thomas. Now, I think you you obviously meant, I think there's a few tight ends that are probably worth sort of noting. And obviously, you mentioned Kyle Pitts throughout it. He's obviously the rookie coming through. But there's there's so much hype about him. And I think it really depends on what team he lands on. Um, but there is a high chance he could be a top 10 tight end next year. Well, alone, what everyone seems to be hyping about him, absolutely. Another one I would mention is Zach Ertz. Like, if he goes to Colts, I think he's easily a top 10 tight end. As well. Yeah, absolutely. And there is one more tight end I want to mention here because, you know, as you know, Greg, I've been games ago, which is the, the person who was a number three tight end last year, Anonymous actually had him close to our top 10, which is Robert Tonyan. So I want to play a wee game here called Tonyan. Or Tonyoff. Oh, I'm 100 going for this game, <laughs> right? So what I'm going to basically do, I'm going to go through Tonya. Like, so to- I think a lot of people be high in Tonya because he was a number three tight end last year, playing for Aaron Rodgers, which you'd think is great. And I was a bit annoyed at used to for not having him higher because I kind of thought I'd be able to do this and sort of tell you why Tonya's so bad. Um, but basically, I'm going to give you. Ah, so we haven't fallen into your trap at all. No. We've actually shown you <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, it's really annoying. Yeah. Uh, but right, I'll give you, basically, I'm going to compare Tonyan's last year to George Kittle. So George Kittle last year only played eight games. So who got more touchdowns, Tonyan or Kittle? Tonyan. Kittle. It was Tonyan by a bit. Tonyan got 11 touchdowns, Kittle only got two. Who had more fantasy points per game last year, Tonyan or Kittle? Kittle. Mm. I went against Craig last time it didn't go very well so Kittle yeah it's Kittle Kittle got 12.6 a game and Tony got 9.4 who so again remember Kittle only played 8 games who had more 80 yard games last year Tony or Kittle go Kittle I mean I'm guessing because this game was designed to show us how bad Tony is I'm guessing the answer is Kittle that's why my answers are always going to be the opposite of Tony well yeah it is it is uh, Kittle Kittle had 3 games last year Tony only won Eighty yard game, uh, but we've we'll got more interesting ones. So, who had more receptions last year, Kittle or Tonyan? Kittle, I think Kittle as well. Ah, uh, he fallen in the trap. Tonyan had fifty two, Kittle only had forty eight. But it's the last one of this bit, who had more receiving yards, Tonyan or Kittle? That's Kittle. Yeah, Kittle only playing eight games with six hundred thirty four, and Tonyan only at five hundred eighty six. Now this is this where I want to add a wee, wee additional bit onto it, which is saying which is Tonyan versus Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, who played with Andy Dalton and other random quarterbacks, and who had more receiving yards last year, 
Dalton Schultz or Tonyan? Schultz. Well, again, with the contempt that's in your voice, I'm going to have to say Dalton Schultz. <laughs> it is Dalton Schultz. Can't even say his name. But no, I was looking into it, and even Dalton Schultz had more like 70 yard games, more targets, more receptions, and all than, Dalton, than Robert Tonyan. And I just, for me, I couldn't buy in the Tonyan. I was really hoping you would. <laughs> so that- Again, so this is this is a real Adam Humphreys after dinner mint situation yes, again. Not only not only did, was this unprompted, but me and Craig already showed what we felt of Tony, but not putting him in our top fifteen. You're the only one to hey, put him in your top fifteen, and then proceed to give him a barrage of embarrassing stats that show up. That only go to show up your ranking. Of hey, him. my ranking is actually I don't actually know where I had him ranked in the end. There, I think it was like thirteenth. I had twelfth, but I'm still not happy with it. Yeah, I just don't trust Robert Tonya. I, I feel I think it's more just because I think a lot of people will go to trust him quite highly, and um, because of playing Rogers. But yes, yeah, that, that's the end of my game. You'll be glad to hear. I actually looked into it, and in games he didn't score a tight uh, touchdown. He only he averaged less than three targets, only two receptions, less than thirty yards, and less than four points per game. Yeah, like he touchdowns in there. Hurst, Ebron, Hooper, and Goddard with the same restrictions, and you say he's tight, uh, he's touchdown dependent. But last year he was only seventy sixth in redstone targets with eleven. Granted, seven of those ended in a touchdown, but it's still only one more redstone target than Dawson Knox. Mm-hmm. And he got three of those targets in weeks three and four, and Devontae Adams was out, and only one more than Aaron Jones. So he still might be the third redstone target for his own team. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't trust him, even though he was tight end three last year at all. But we we shall wrap it up there anyway. Um, and I think we're moving on next week. Next week, well, our next episode is going to be uh, Michael interviewing Clarky. Which yeah, is, <laughs> is he coming on? He is going to be coming on. So we'll be joined by our guest Clarky next uh, episode. Which I uh, I think being being creator just want to sit there to be honest, not doing anything. <laughs> so, we'll let you two run away with it. Uh, uh, looking forward to that. But yes, thanks very much, guys. Uh, and that's another episode done. And um, thanks very much for listening. Mm-hmm.